Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk, 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 talk. Talk to We're just two unapologetically black women with an opinion who talks talk, back. Talk, 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 talk. What's up, y'all? Welcome to a new episode of We Talk Back. It's your girl, AJ. Hey. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's me, Tim Bam. I love y'all so much. How y'all doing? Y'all, you be putting on that fake-ass baby voice. That's my Southern girl voice. That's uh-uh. the one I, I use when I go to, like, Europe and stuff. They love that shit. I be like, hey, y'all. Uh-uh. <laughs> How y'all doing? Finesse. Finesse. Let me in the club free. (laughs) (laughs) How was your weekend, child? What did I do this weekend? I feel like my... Oh, I went to the Auntie Fest. It was uh, Monica, Escape. Here in Charlotte? Genuine. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, You ain't tell me about that. H-Town. I had forgot that me and my sister got tickets, and she was like, oh, I'm on my way. I was like, oh, shit, let me clean up. Oh, you didn't mention a concert. You ain't mentioned who the fuck was going to be there. Yeah, and then who else was on 112? Peaches and Cream. Bitch, I was in there getting it. My throat was sore by the time I left from trying to sing with Candy. Birds tuckle. That's all you was doing is singing, bitch? And dancing and singing and drinking. I had fun. But it was definitely auntie fest. Was it a lot of single aunties in there? It was a lot of single aunties and a lot of aunties with they niggas. Mm. Yes. It was a good old. Where was it? It was at the Spectrum Arena. They packed that bitch too. I wish I was there. Who all was it again? It was Monica, Escape, One Twelve, Ace Town, and Genuine. I'm mad I missed that. Genuine still fine. You think Genuine fine? He like nine, like ninety four fine. He's still ninety four fine though. Yeah, ninety four light skin nigga fine. Yeah, he's pretty. He's a good looking man. And he he's like he seemed like he enjoyed that attention too. Like, boy, sit your ass down. You're not even singing no more. <laughs> he up during escape set waving at people. Sit your ass down. <laughs> <laughs> he wanna make sure y'all see him. Shame. But that was it. That was a good time. Oh. What about you? I ain't do much. I hung up with a friend. Uh just dinner, that type of stuff. Regular courting. Oh, okay, nice. Just in case a nigga is interested in knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Chilling out a little bit. Girl, why? Uh, the guy who I was out with gets a, a email, well, a text message first because he posted his food. Mm-hmm. And I even hid my pocketbook in the, in the. Uh, you said I'm the only person to say pocketbook. I even hid my purse you in, the, say your in, in the image, right? Where so y'all was at? T- Cracker Barrel? Because that's where pocketbooks be at. No, we was at um, Stir. Uh- Okay. Yes. How do you? Uh, yeah. Okay. Girl, I had got like some uh, shrimp and scallop shit. Oh it yeah. It was a big fucking bowl of pasta. Yeah. What is that? Why would y'all be selling that? <laughs> <laughs> so I did not enjoy my food for real. But the nigga posted the food on uh, his Instagram story, and then he gets a text message that said, "Um, can I have your email address, sir?" So he sends the email address to this person via text, and about two minutes later, the nigga gets a fucking invoice 
to paint this bitch house. <laughs> she was like, oh, you buying shrimp and scallops, bitch? Oh, okay. Well, I told you, you see my living room wall, bitch. Here go the invoice. <laughs> How do y'all ask for money? Because I feel like she... She wasn't nice she tried about it. Him. She must have been already asking for that money for a long time or something to be like, so send me, what's your email? That's a lot of entitlement, bitch, because that is not a nice way to finesse a nigga out no. the check. She didn't get it. I she? would never do no shit like that. Not in front Hell of you. Hell no. Yeah, because you got to be nice. And you can't talk to me no more if you send that money. Right. Look, I was <laughs> I was on her side, though. I was like, yeah, bitch. Right. But that is not how you get money at a men. That's real rude. Right. That's on. That's like you know. I've seen people. I think somebody done did this to me before. Just send me a cash app request. No, you need to pick up the phone and call me and ask me for my fucking money. Just right. don't be sending me no goddamn cash, cash app, app request. request. Decline. Yeah, women do no, that. No, when I ask for money, I'm asking for money. I'm very sweet. Go, hey baby, <laughs> how's your day going? <laughs> did you eat yet? Okay, good. Are you hungry, honey? Did you (laughs) eat yet? Let me hang up your coat, your coat, your coat, nigga. And what else? What else? I'm going to do it all Check your pockets. (laughs) And I'll be nice and I'll rub your shoulders and massage your temples and shit. Make you a drink. You want a drink? Would you like a beverage? And then I'm going to (sighs) finesse. Bang. But you're a fucking actress, okay? <laughs> Remember I told you I had the... Um, that thing? That thing that I wanted to do is in two weeks. And um, can you give me $4,000 for it, please? <laughs> God damn. Mm-hmm. This bitch was only asking for $800. <laughs> <laughs> I told her to... I told her to... Te- I told him to te- text her back and say, do I live there? Is that my house? Right. The fuck? Yeah. Did he say that? Mm-mm. Cause she like you, you be eating this pussy over here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he said he never been to her house before. Oh well, shame. She didn't ask that for no reason. He made her feel like she could ask for that shit. That's like how that. I feel, and I feel like a woman ain't gonna ask a man for money in that way. A man that they respect. It's like, mm, let me send this to this simp ass nigga and right. see what he do. Uh, and paint, he, please, nigga. Exactly, because that's how I, when I'm ready to get rid of a nigga, that's what I do. I'll ask for some outlandish amount of fucking money. And either you're going to come through or you ain't. And it's a win either way. Either you're going to disappear or I'm going to get the money. Right. <laughs> but I need $10,000 by tomorrow. Right. <laughs> nigga be like, what? My enemies are after me. <laughs> and- Bitch, I want <laughs> I watched it. Now you said I'll be watching TV. I watched that shit. I could not believe it. And I need you to take a credit card out for twenty five thousand dollars right now, baby. <laughs> and another one. Mm-hmm. And you see the last girl? How she finessed his ass back yep. out of those fucking clothes. clothes, y'all. If y'all if y'all haven't seen uh, what's the name? The of Tinder Swindler. Yes, on Netflix. Yo, <laughs> the last bitch got all his nigga designer clothes and started. She said she was still selling shit up until the day of recording. Still selling that nigga shit on eBay. Could you imagine? And she was hitting, he was hitting her up mad that she yeah. had finessed him. Right. You can't get mad. That's a psychopath. Right. A sociopath. Which no, he was one? going between being nice and being mean back and forth about them damn clothes. How I'm going <laughs> to finesse these bitches without my drip, ho? <laughs> Shame. Yeah. You got my whole uniform over there, bitch. <laughs> Dog, I know a bitch who got played by a nigga like that. Like, when she met the nigga, he obviously was finessing somebody else to take care of her. And when her fucking time was up, that nigga started running a muck up on her fucking checking account. Mm -mm. And that's probably to take care of the next woman. Like, what is the fucking thought process of those type of people? Like, you just a whole financial predator out here. That's scary. Yeah, that's scary. But you ain't gonna get me. You is not getting me. (laughs) I got, let me tell you, I got two things for you, baby. I'll make it three. Encouragement, pussy, <laughs> and jokes. That's it. Right. <laughs> I'll make you laugh. I'll encourage you to I'm go feed you. Give it your best shot. And then I'll throw you some pussy, but that's it. <laughs> Money. I'm confused. <laughs> right. How the fuck? If you never yourself went and took out these type of credit cards, you never took out these type of loans, obviously you can't afford this shit. Right. What kind of dick does this nigga have? Mm-hmm. What kind of dick he got? 
And I'm looking at the women. I'm like, mm, I'm like judging them basically. Like, oh, she ain't that cute. Maybe she has low self-esteem. That's, oh, no, that's what I was doing. I was doing that. But no, still nobody deserves to get finessed like that. But I'm just trying to figure out, because, you know, when shit happens to you, you always got to look within. But What was, is it about me that allowed myself to be finessed by this nigga? This way, right. But they was in love, and he made himself look like he was he had it like that. But so still, they got finessed. They a millionaire, a billionaire. This nigga was flying private jets. Mm -hmm. a bil the weirdest part was how his fucking baby mama was someone that testified against him before. And didn't mention it to the girl on the phone. And now you a part of the finesse? Right. She done finessed that nigga out of the whole kid. Child. <laughs> Guard your pussies, ladies. They out here swindling bitches. City boys up about three million points. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Another tender swindler. Mary J. Blige husband. Ooh. Can do Isaacs. Mm-mm. Mm. So y'all, Mary was on um the box, Angie Martinez show recently. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how um, you know, she filed for divorce from her ex in 2016 after she caught him basically taking care of another bitch off her fucking money. And she was ordered to pay alimony for these two years while they were going through um, you know, the divorce whatever situation. How much was the alimony? $30,000 a month, bitch. Dang! Mary said she had to go back on tour Dang. to pay that shit. How she didn't have money for herself. Like, she felt like she lost her soul 30, in the relationship. 30 racks a month? That's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Like, personally, I would have just paid somebody to knock that nigga off. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> it no. would be way cheaper. No, 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 no. Right, Dog, so you can find somebody to do that shit we, for, like, we 15 talk grand. Back, do not condone <laughs> violence or murder <laughs> for hire. She's just Allegedly. <laughs> no, but, um, shit, this happens to men every day when they get a divorce. They have to pay that money. But you don't do that to Mary. Mary is a whole national treasure. I know. You don't do that Mary to Mary. Mary J. Blige. I know he was watching her ass at the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, that's my ex bitch out there. She did the Super Bowl and shit. She passing out because you got to give a nigga 30 bands a month. <laughs> Yo. Listen, that was the two years, during the two years that they were going through the divorce. Okay, so not She no not paying him no more. Oh, thank God for that. I'd like to think. <laughs> Gee, I would definitely would have had his ass knocked off. Ain't nobody going to time for that shit. Yes, I know Mary, she was going through that shit. She had Kane running around like a fool, <laughs> Lorenzo in jail, <laughs> Tariq and Diana fucking running them up, and she got to give Ken do 30 a month. <laughs> 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 Hey, look, she probably should have been a Monet on that nigga. Right. Had his ass hanging from one of these damn condos <laughs> or something. Because oh, I'll goodness. be damned. Oh, goodness. City boys up. For real. About $3 trillion. <laughs> Fuck y'all, niggas. <laughs> do, do we have a baddie who talks back? We do, as a matter of fact. Let me see y'all. All right. Y'all know what we've been doing for the for Black History Month, or excuse me, I like what Kanye is saying. Black, Black fucking future, future month. Mm -hmm. Alright. We ain't living in the past no more. It's up from here. Right. So this week's baddie who talks back uh is Gwendolyn Brooks. Gwendolyn Brooks. She's born in Topeka, Kansas, and her family moved to Chicago when she was Hold oh, on, I'm out of breath. Why did I get out of breath? Mm. All right. So this week's baddie who Reading talks. Reading thinking at the same time. Bitch, <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> just jumped into that, bitch. <laughs> like, this one you know you're fat. Like, I ain't even moving around, bitch. <laughs> what and I'm exhausted. <laughs> just using my air to speak. <laughs> Shit. Y'all hear that? <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right, y'all. So, look, this week's baddie who talks back is Gwendolyn Elizabeth Brooks. Um, her and her family moved to Chicago from Topeka, Kansas when she was a young girl. She was an American poet, author, and teacher. Her work often dealt with personal liberations and struggles of ordinary people in her community. She won the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry in May 
excuse me, on May 1st, 1950, for Annie Allen, making her the first African-American to receive a Pulitzer Prize. Many of Brooks' works display a political consciousness, especially those from the 1960s and later, with several of her poems reflecting the civil rights activism of that period. So listen, you've heard her poems on Kanye's uh, Donde album on the song Praise God. You heard that song, Tammy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all over TikTok, it goes something like this. Even if you're not ready for the day, it cannot always be night. So that's actually Gwendolyn Brooks. Um, it's a poem. It's called Speech to the Young. All right. Gwendolyn Brooks, a baddie who talks back. Salute. Ew. Salute, Gwendolyn Brooks. All right, guys, we got Aunt Louie from Snowfall on We Talk Back coming up next. Y'all stay tuned. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, AJ, and we got a super duper special guest on We Talk Back this week, y'all. We got the lovely Angela Lewis. Hey. Snowfall, my favorite show, my Aunt favorite Louis. show Thank you. Yes, Aunt Louie. <laughs> Mother, wife, actress, dancer, 
So tell us about how it's been playing this character, Louis, in season five. What can we expect a little bit? Can you tell <laughs> Louis, you know, Louis is always fighting for her power. And at the end of season four, she got shot and almost mm-hmm. died. And so she is really laser focused on what it is she needs to do to have the life that she wants to have and to be who she sees herself as being. She's not taking no for an answer. Um, she's, she got a lot of fight left in her and she she got a lot of money. So she making things happen this year. So so growing up in Detroit, right? You're from Detroit, Michigan? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Did Angela have a completely different reality from Auntie Louie? Yes, in that, so... I'm from Detroit. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely from, from the, the hood. Oh, I was about to say, you're from the suburbs of Detroit. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm from the east mm-hmm. side, Jefferson and Dickerson. All right. Okay. But having said that, my parents did a really good job of um, protecting me from the world and mm-hmm. the city and all of the pitfalls of it. They just kept me busy. My dad would always say, and I don't mind is the devil's mm-hmm. workshop. And he wasn't a religious man, but he believed that. So I was always in somebody's after-school activity, some summer camp, some <laughs> performing mm-hmm. arts, this and that. Um, my parents were very um, supportive in the things that I was interested in. And and that kept me busy and kept me out of trouble for the most part, you know. Mm-hmm. They got, you know, I got stories they don't know about, but <laughs> like, we want to know one. <laughs> it definitely, <laughs> we want to know. <laughs> it kept me alive and it, and it kept me thriving. Um, we, you know, I was poor, but I didn't know it. I didn't know it until high school when I started going over my friends' houses, I'm like, oh. Oh, this, oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But again, that's a testament to my parents. You know, we never felt like we were without and we felt loved and we had fun. Um, Yeah. And so where I grew up uh, and also a difference between myself and Louie is that I had support. And Louie did not have support growing up. You know, she was told no all the time. And and I got a lot of yeses. I I think I was in college and and then in New York before I started getting a lot of no's. You know, Mm -hmm. no, you can't do this. No, you can't be that. Like, what? Right. What do you mean? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Right. Uh, What what would you say is your favorite part of playing Louie? That I get to, like... (sighs) Louis is so strong. And I think I'm a strong human being, a strong woman, but Louis is not afraid. She is not afraid of anybody. And well, she has her fears, but she is able to um work around and through those fears to really uh get what she wants. And I think that that's so admirable. And she's so smart, you know? Mm-hmm. She's Louis, she be strategizing and she comes up with the plans, you know, and I, and I, 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 I take from that. You know, I knew your character was going to be a force to be reckoned with from the scene where you come out the room from watching your show and just yeah. start beating a bitch ass <laughs> outside. Like, <laughs> I yes. was like, oh, I'm going to love this character. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a intimacy between you and a female character. Was that hard to play or as a woman? Um, uh, you mean, I don't think it was hard to play in terms of like, you know, woman on woman loving. I feel mm-hmm. like um, that's not, you know, my experience or my preference. But mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, people should love who they want to love. And I think that our, the way we kind of choreographed our scenes I don't, (laughs) as an audience member, I don't know how graphic it felt, but Mm -hmm. it really felt we, um, um, Judith is the actress's name. Judith Mm -hmm. and I felt like it was really important to make the scene beautiful, Mm -hmm. to um, show the beauty 
between two really different generations of black right. women, which we don't really get to see that on TV, right. you know? And so um, the lusty part of it wasn't so important. It was really about connecting and, you know, I had a sheet wrapped around me. So that took care of, you know, that takes yeah. care of itself. So I, I hope, and I think that we were successful in that. So no, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult in that way. Like I didn't feel like, or anything like that. <laughs> Oyster. <laughs> now you did say that you start. it wasn't till college that you started getting no's. Now, mm -hmm. were you ever discouraged by those no's and how did you overcome that? Um... I mean, I went to University of Michigan and in Detroit and because of the community that I was brought up in, they did a good job at like preparing us. And I don't remember at what age things started, but at the very least sixth grade, so like 11 years old, um, they did a good job of preparing us for what could, might happen um out in the world once we are you know my school was mostly Detroit is mostly black and so I went to school with all black kids mostly black teachers we had our black history month was on jam like right. nobody do it like bakes <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you know I knew that there was a thing of you know being the only black person in your class, but I had never experienced that until University of Michigan. And I had a lecture class and this lecture hall was huge. I mean, like thousand kids, easy. And I was the only black student in that class. And mm -hmm. that was shocking. Right, and, um, but still it was just the reality of the situation and like most black people we look at our realities and we keep it moving because we got lives exactly. to live we got things we trying to do you know and so um and also there were only two of us in my class I, I majored in theater there were two black kids um two more uh, kind of transferred in later but there were two of us in my class and so that was uh frustrating and uh could be discouraging Things like um, in voice class, being told that, you know, to get rid of my accent um, and try to sound more flat and American, not white, because that wouldn't be, you know, right. but Political flat correct. and American. Right. No right. dialect. Um, and that was right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that that was the only way we were going to get jobs. And so it felt like, excuse me, it felt like a um, needing to remove myself from my culture mm -hmm. and that didn't feel good and so I just really and and also I never <laughs> succeeded in that all the way <laughs> you know what I mean like right. my accent is just my accent and then by the time I got into the workforce they were like wait what you doing where's your, your black exactly sound? you mm -hmm. know so right um it was definitely frustrating but um uh and and things still are discouraging sometimes, but you know we 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 keep on. We do it anyway. So how long have you been chasing your um, acting career? Because I think when people end up on like big movies or big shows, your viewers oftentimes they think you came out of nowhere. You know, right? So. Um, yeah, so I was in New York for thirteen years, um, acting, doing uh, off Broadway plays. Um, just pounding the pavement like every other actress with my side job as a bartender and a cocktail waitress. Um, that's what I did. And then I moved to LA and I was here for two years beating the pavement. And I was a receptionist at a gym and a babysitter for two years before a snowfall came along. So no, it did not happen overnight. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> So let me ask you this. Which do you prefer, theater, like off-Broadway, or actually acting in shows? Like, which one is more better suited for you, do you think? Oh, I like them both for different reasons. Um, in theater, you really, I mean, the deep dives that you get to do inside of a character and a, and a journey is really, there's no, there's nothing like it. Um, there's nothing like, finding ways to keep things fresh 
after you've been doing the same thing eight days a week for however many weeks and you still got to keep it like when that door opens that's the first time that door opens like how do you keep that honest and fresh um having said that you know you make more money on camera that's for sure that's a starter um (laughs) because can't go wrong with that (laughs) being a theater actress it's no joke like you know what I mean like you doing the thing that you went to school for the thing that you work your entire life to do. Like I didn't have a plan B like this was it. I was going to be an actress and that's it. And you get in a show and you still can't pay your rent. Like that's hard. Like I was, you know, working in a show and then going to my side job at night. Like that's not, it's not fun. Theater actors absolutely hands down should be getting paid more. Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that, as an on-camera actress, yes, the money is be- much better. Um, and I don't mean even just as a series regular. I mean, you know, you do, you know, a, a co uh, a co-star role and you're getting paid more than you were getting paid, you know, for that week that you worked eight hours a day. You know what I mean? So there's that. And then there's also, I feel like doing on-camera work is the epitome of the thing that I love the most about working in theater, which is rehearsal. I love the rehearsal process where you're, you know, with your cast and your director and the energy is flowing, that creative energy that makes all those juices pop up and you're exploring and finding new things. And and you're listening to your gut. On camera, mm-hmm. when you get inspired, you got to jump on that inspiration because you don't get tomorrow. Like, oh, that thing, I wanted to do that thing, but I got scared. So I'm not going to do it tomorrow. When we get to rehearsal, I'm going to do it tomorrow (laughs) or tomorrow, tomorrow's show. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You don't get, you don't get tomorrow. You might not get another take. So you really have to like be on it, you know? So we know, we know you're married, but how is it working with Damson? How is it? How is he? <laughs> Damson is awesome. Damson, he's a sweetheart. He uh, very professional. Um, he is the engine of our show, you know, mm-hmm. and super funny. You know, man, when we all get together, it's a riot. And I feel bad for the new directors coming in because they, <laughs> it's gonna be hard to like rally us together. Like, come on, y'all, we got work to do. Um, he is quite funny and he's a sweetheart. <laughs> so do you, are you happy with, uh, the direction the show is going in after the passing of John Singleton? Do you feel like it would be different if he was still with us or you're very happy with what's going on? Um, I think it's a mix of both. I think the show would be different if he was still around because you worked you know, with him a lot. Nobody Singleton. can replace him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he, he he was the authenticity of the show. He was the the heart, the you know, the the it was his, you know, brainchild. So nothing will replace that. Um having said that, I do feel like he left behind a group of people, a group of artists who really want to make him proud. Mm-hmm who really understood what it was he was wanting to say. Um, and I do feel proud of where the show was going. I, I hope he's proud. You know, I do know that when we come, we come with our A game and we do our best. And when things don't feel right on the page, you know, we go in the room and, and or call up the, the showrunner and say, hey, what, what does this mean, you know? Um, and I think that our writers are smart writers and they're humans and they want to tell a human story. And, and yeah, I, I hope John is proud. Now, AJ said uh, she brought up you being married because she wanted you to say something juicy about dancing. But we know you ain't going to do that. So we're going to leave that alone. <laughs> So tell us this, how do you juggle being a mom? Cause I see your mom to a two year old mm-hmm. and being a wife. So those take huge, you know, amount of time. They're a priority. How do you yeah. juggle those with career? Um, I think I just try to be in the moment 
you know, um, when I'm at work, I have a husband, an amazing husband. Yeah, he holds me down so much. I just, I don't know That's if I blessing. could do it without it. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and, you know, when I'm at work, I'm at work. And, and the baby is at an age where I don't call to check in with her because it just makes her more mad. <laughs> so, <laughs> where you at? <laughs> it, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And then she'd be crying and I feel bad for her husband and the nanny is like, ah. So um, when I'm at work, I'm at work. Uh, I check in with my husband, but not on FaceTime yet. Not yet. Um, And then when I'm with my family, I'm with my family and and he's in the business too. And so it makes it easier to have a shorthand on, you know, what's happening and what needs to happen. And Mm -hmm. um, we just, you know, really work to support each other in in that way, you know, and if I need to take some time to, you know, do interviews or to, you know, work on some lines or, you know, to take, we help each other with our self tapes and things like that. Mm -hmm. We, we figure it out. And so I don't, I don't know how I juggle it. I just know what needs to get done and we figure it out. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So you're from Detroit. And yeah. I see that you're a vegan, and I know your ass grew up eating meat. So <laughs> yes. how did that happen? When, when did you decide to become a vegan and why? Yeah. So to be honest, I am pesca vegan. I added fish okay. in in my second mm-hmm. trimester. Um, mm-hmm. But I became vegan because I knew I wanted to have a baby, but I wasn't sure when that was going to happen. Um uh, Especially once I booked Snowfall, I was like, okay, well, now I'm in a show. Mm-hmm. Am I going to stop to have a baby? But I didn't. I fully believe in energy and, and, and all that stuff that some people might call woo-woo, but I, some of my friends call it the woo. I, I fully believe in the woo. Okay. <laughs> and so I didn't want to tell the baby energy no right. to go away. So I said to the baby, whenever you're ready, I'll be ready. And um, and in that process, I meditate uh, 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 quite a bit. And I heard prepare the space. And I took that um, to mean not only my home, but also my body. And because I did grow up in Detroit and I, you know, I was chili cheese fries and all the burgers (laughs) and all the things. And I just felt like over the years, my body and, and I grew up a dancer. So my body has worked hard to to support me and to allow me to thrive and so in this moment where I want my body to do this perform this miracle and 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 to perform optimally maybe I should take a break from things that require a lot to digest that Mm -hmm. prevent the body from healing Mm -hmm. because when your body is digesting it's not healing the things that you need it to heal and I didn't have any like major ailments or anything but I'm sure there are things that you know needed to happen in order to perform optimally you know and Mm -hmm. and and I, I feel like I did the right thing because my baby came out and she's She's a little genius baby, like, you know, and so. Would you call it pes- pesca vegan? Would you call it? Because I. Pesca vegan. So I, uh, <laughs> I eat a plant-based diet mostly, but I, I most mm-hmm. of the time I'm, um, I never just did straight vegan for a long time. So I do do the fish. I'm from the South. We from the South, uh-huh. child. It's hard to just discard <laughs> seafood living and growing up on the coast. It is. Yeah. It pesca is hard. vegan. Interesting. Is. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I think what's more important than, and this is, you know, completely my opinion, but what's more important than vegan or not vegan or keto or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to be, like, we don't really need labels that I think the ideal thing is to be able to choose your meals. Every meal is a choice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, And if you're conscious of what you're eating, what you're putting in your body, then who cares whether you're vegan or not? It's really about are you eating the things that's going to allow you to thrive? Right. You know? But sometimes a cheeseburger helped me thrive. But you don't feel good Absolutely. after it, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, you I feel great. I'd be happy. <laughs> I'd be happy as hell. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I started laying off the, of mine said, the Beyond stuff because it's like good. 3D meat. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I, yeah, exactly. I stopped. I'd rather it's eat a piece of salmon than eating the burger. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. What did your friend what did your friend say? My friend said everything in moderation, including moderation. Mm-hmm. So sometimes okay. That's fair. it's good to have that burger. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every so, meal is a choice. And in this moment, I choose to have a burger. Burger, right. So um, I see that yeah. you're a huge philanthropist. You're doing the Cancer Society of America, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And most importantly to me is the Black and Missing. How, how mm-hmm. did you get involved with that? Um, How did I get involved? It was years ago. It it just um, came to me in some kind of way that, um, you know, when we go missing, ain't nobody checking yeah, for us. Yeah, we had a whole And episode, I felt like, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And what can I do to, you know, kind of help that? And, you know, at the moment I was like, well, I have a couple dollars and this is long before snowfall. Like, let me just contribute to them. And so that's mm-hmm. been, you know, it's really just been, you know, little contributions here and there. My, um, my biggest platform right now is um, in the black maternal health space. Mm-hmm. Um, after having my baby, I realized I just learned so much. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, I learned a lot and I realized at the end of it that I spent a lot of money trying to have a healthy birth. Um, some thing, unexpected things happened and nothing like it wasn't anything like traumatic. I had a beautiful experience, but I had reflexology. I was trying to induce. They wanted, I needed to be induced and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to get induced. I wanted to have a natural water birth. Right. And so I got reflexology, I had acupuncture, I had a massage, a masseuse come a couple of times, like all of these things, just trying to, just trying to induce naturally. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up needing to be induced and everything, you know, worked out fine. But I was like, I spent a lot of money. What if I wasn't on a TV show? How would that have gone mm-hmm. down? You know, right. and what if I didn't have access to all of these resources? So I just think it, it is another tragedy in this country that, you know, you got to have all, you know, stacks and stacks in order to have, in order to feel safe in the knowing that you can have a healthy, joyous birth. Right. That's a tragedy. And so mm-hmm. I'm really um, working to to educate women on the different resources that are available to them. I'm working to be a vessel for those resources to not be a burden on women at a time that's already so full of, you know, the unexpected and the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like, less, you know, we should be feeling joy at that mm-hmm. time, not stress. You know, and and, uh, and and it's important for women, for our women to feel supported, to be supported and, and to have a voice and feel like they can be advocates for themselves. And if they can't, they have support to advocate for them um, because it's a lot of it's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> so is that the Moonchild Collaborative? Because I saw that. Moonchild Collaborative, mm-hmm. it, well, it's under that. So Moonchild Collaborative is my um, umbrella production company. Mm-hmm. It houses um, myself and my husband as um, business entities. And then underneath that umbrella, we have Moonchild. Uh, yeah, wait, Moonchild Group is the umbrella company. Moonchild Collaborative is the nonprofit entity. And then our first program under that is uh, Birth Village, which is like, what you what the the masses will see once we are done um, branding mm. and everything sounds nice yes man. now i saw on your website that you had some core character traits listed and you yes. had the <laughs> girl i was researching your ass girl uh, <laughs> the transcendent lover the survivor the timid warrior and the heroine with the forgotten song which mm-hmm. one do you feel like you resonates with you most and why? Well, I think all of them resonate with me the most, which is why I um, pulled them out. Like mm-hmm. those are the, so in any given um, 
project in any given character, if those traits are there, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to easily connect to those things. Mm -hmm. So, and it doesn't matter, you know, how old the character is. It doesn't matter if the character is, is written as white or Asian or, or what it is, I'm going to be able to be like, oh, I get what this character is going through because, oh, that's the timid warrior. She's the one who like is afraid to speak out, but she's going to do it anyway. And that, mm -hmm. that resonates with me. So each of those, um, um, uh, character types are the ones that, that I can settle into easily because easily. that's what I go yeah, through. Cause I was yeah. going to ask you like, what are some of the, um, some of the things that you've learned about yourself playing, you know, such a strong dynamic character like Aunt Louie? Yeah, I've learned that I don't speak up as often as I should and that I can speak up more. Okay. Like I am fully capable. Yeah, I'm fully capable of filling that space. Mm -hmm. I don't think I really, really knew that before. Um, and I've learned how to really hone in on storytelling. And this is an actor's skill. And this is with, also with the help of Eamon, Eamon Joseph, who plays Jerome. He's so good at like cutting through all the other things that's happening in the scene and getting right to the meat of, of the story, like what's really happening between these two mm -hmm. characters right now. Um, and he often brings all of us to that clarity. Um, it's really, he's so good at that. He's going to be an amazing director. Um, he already is, he's directing, but he'll get bigger. Yeah. Um, but in that I have learned a little bit of how to do that too. So it's exciting. <laughs> Now, tell me this, what, what, what's something that people should know about you that they, that nobody would know? Something about Angela, not Louie. Hmm. What should people know about me mm -hmm. that they don't already know? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ooh, I stumped you on that one, ain't You I? did, you did. I'm like, dang, what? I don't know. We have to come right, back to it, that what, one. Let me. Okay, well, what is something that people incorrectly assume about you? Misconception. Um, people, people think based I'm on, crazy. Based yeah, on most actors are. Yeah, but go ahead. people. <laughs> but no, they really think I'm like I'm gonna be like beating people up, and I'm like, wait, wait, no, that that's not me. <laughs> That's Angie. <laughs> I mean, not Angie. Louie. That's Louie. See, that's, that's how it happens Louis. right there. That's yes. Angie. She be beating people's so, ass. Do, do, do people ass. come to your social media talking shit <laughs> like you're the character? No. They, mm -hmm. I mean, not really. Sometimes people come out of pocket and then I be like, well, I have to set them straight, you know, in right. a loving way. <laughs> All right. So tell us this. What What is your dream role? Like, who do you want to hmm. play or... What would it be? Um, I mean, I still have a lot of dream roles left to play. Um, I do want to... <sighs> I want to play a character who is otherworldly. So I like... I love um, sci-fi. So, and I, and I love um, when you start getting into, like, magic... And yes. and ethereal mm -hmm. things, um, yeah. I'm so gonna, you want to be a hot girl? Girl, yes, so stupid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can dig that. <laughs> now, if you had somebody to play you in a movie, like if your lifetime story was a movie, who would you want to be you? Oh man, um. Me at this point? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, right now. Oh, she want to play herself. Yes. 
<laughs> I'm still but here. Somebody, I'm, still, uh, I'm still young. <laughs> but okay, somebody else, who who, yeah. who would I get? Um, you know, Shante Adams is from Detroit, and she's so good. Um, so yeah, I would say Shante. Shante Adams. She was in Baby Boy. Um, no, Shante was in uh, what's this last movie she did with? Um, oh God. Um, she was Roxanne in Roxanne. Oh, okay, Roxanne. okay, yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's mm-hmm. good. She's definitely yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got one more question. Well, okay. almost <laughs> one more. Uh, tell me, uh, like, what the most cutthroat experience you had in Hollywood? Because I know it's a cutthroat industry. The most cut. When did experience. when did you almost become Louis in real life? Like, <laughs> they they done tried the fuck out of me, and now I'm gonna have to. <laughs> <laughs> gotta beat somebody up on set <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm gonna call my husband <laughs> right right <laughs> oh man um I wasn't about to, so okay here's one the carpet right the carpet is such an interesting thing because the red carpet the okay. red carpet because it's more than just getting pretty for a picture right there's a lot of things that go into it and especially i'm gonna say especially when you first starting out it you've worked your butt off to get to where you are finally in this position where i i even get to walk a red carpet right mm-hmm. and now you spent all of this money to hire a stylist a hair and the and the makeup and the wardrobe stylist to get finally get the look and you get to the carpet the first time I went on a carpet that wasn't an FX carpet so with FX everybody was there for us everybody knows these are the FX people we're in the family so the cameras are (laughs) I can't roll my tongue but you know it's going and going (laughs) and going right so my first non-fx carpet (laughs) i remember what it was but nobody knew who i was i mean my name was on the list (laughs) and everybody had the thing with my picture and my name (laughs) so the photographers were like who this black girl (laughs) yeah no picture i'm like are they gonna take the picture what and then finally maybe they would Mm. and i'm like Wait, what is happening right now? It was such a demoralizing moment. And like, well, clearly I belong here because my name is on the thing. Like, hold and- up, bitch. I'm Auntie Louie. Do not play with me. Y'all better take my damn picture. <laughs> and but why would you even do that? That was it was the meanest thing that's ever mm. happened to me. And mm. and it was though that moment that I realized, oh, this is all about money. Like, mm-hmm. however you getting paid, you ain't really getting paid to take exactly. my picture, so you don't need mm-hmm. to. This is not about me. And this right. is the moment that I learned that Hollywood is not really about you. Hollywood is a, is a a money machine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I that was the moment I had to, like, change my focus and, and, and really hone into what is about me. Right. You know? Because... Even when they don't know me, it's not about me. But even when they do, when they are like, Miss Lewis, Miss Lewis, Miss Lewis, taking the pictures, taking the pictures. And, you know, in, you know, three, four, five, ten years, you know, as I get bigger and my career gets bigger, you know, it still is not about Mm -hmm. me. I can't take that to my head, you know, Mm -hmm. and let it get in the way. So, yeah, I had to refocus and and really figure out what what is about me. What in my life am I doing that's about me? Okay, hold that thought one second. Let's pay some bills. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. 
I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your husband, how did you know that he was the one for you? Like, what was it? (laughs) Well, there were multiple things that happened. Mm, Look how she looking. Uh. (laughs) Look how you lit up when I asked that question. Should I aspire to that right there? How long have you been married? Seven years, seven years and together 10. Um, he, the, the, it was just, it was healing. That was one. Um, there were dreams involved, mm. um, like literal dreams. Like I dreamt of our daughter on like our second, we weren't even dating yet. And I was like, oh, so listen, um, I just dreamt of our daughter <laughs> and because I was like, that's a lot. I'm not holding <laughs> that by myself. Right. Um, and he was, ju- he is super sweet, super supportive, um, super creative. Uh, we don't always agree, you know, and we're learning more and more how to communicate better with each other. But the just the the fact that he he does he doesn't give up on that on the working towards us being together. We're growing as individuals, but we are growing together. Um, and that was apparent from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's a I blessing knew. because anytime somebody asks me about one of these niggas, I'd be like, oh my. <laughs> definitely blessed in that apartment for real (laughs) all right so 
we have this segment on our show and we do it with everybody. It's called Dumbish Stories, right? And okay. basically, I know. I know, girl. Uh-oh. I'm scared. So <laughs> we want you to share with us a time in your life where you might have got played, you were in a relationship where he did some shit to you that you didn't appreciate or you made some bad choices behind a man. Can you mm-hmm. share that with us and our listeners? Dumb bitch stories. You are so dumb. Because we've all been a dumb bitch at least once or twice. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> god. How long we got? As long as you got, child, we here. <laughs> um the relationship I was in before my husband was just a dumbish relationship. <laughs> And I was in that relationship for five years. So, yeah, yeah, he wasn't right. He wasn't right. He was lying and cheating and all the things. And I felt like I had to be able to prove it in order for it to be Mm. true. Mm -hmm. So one one of the many things that I learned from that relationship is you know what you know. Mm -hmm. You don't got to prove it. You don't got to come up with the physical evidence. You right. know what you know. That's it. Right. And yeah. that's what a lot of us will do. We have to find some shit. I right. remember I was girl, I was in this relationship and I swear every time that man left the house, I was under the bed. <laughs> I was in the closet. I was looking like I'm gonna find what you're doing. And I was right. driving myself. I'm insane. the opposite. Insane. Insane. I'm gonna let you do exactly what you wanna do so I can see what you rather do. I'm not going through your shit because it's gonna knock on the front door. And a couple times, literally. Knock on the front door. It did. <laughs> right, right. No, girl, I turned into inspector motherfucking gadget. As soon as that man left, I was looking Pet for detective. And, I just... <laughs> and the crazy thing is, when you do find what you're looking for, you like, no, making all kinds of excuses. Like, right. that ain't... Let that right. man cheat in peace if you ain't ready to leave. That's what I believe in. <laughs> when I'm ready to leave, I'm oh, going through all your God. shit. <laughs> Until you're yes, ready to this, leave. This is why yeah. I'm leaving. <laughs> so, okay, one yeah. last thing. Mm-hmm. All right, one piece of advice that you would give to young black people who are interested, especially women, interested in becoming an actor, what would you tell them? It's not easy. So, don't think that it is. Do not. It just doesn't happen overnight. So people hit me up all the time, you know, asking me, can I hook them up to Snowfall? And it just doesn't work like that. Like, A, I don't know you. And I don't know what you can do. Right. And even if you are the most talented person in the world, it just doesn't work like that. Um, It sometimes, it oftentimes takes years and years and Mm -hmm. years of pounding the pavement to make it happen. And that's okay. It is a rare occasion where somebody gets hit overnight, mm-hmm. like fresh out of school or fresh off the whatever. Um, so don't let the fact that it's taken a long time um, discourage you, deter mm-hmm. you, discourage you, because what you should be doing while things are not going the way you want them to go is be paying attention to you. Are you living the life that you want to live? Because your life is going to um, inform your career. Like nobody wants an actor who is, you know, for all of us like theater kids out there (laughs) who is just acting. Like, no, you got to have like hobbies and things that you like to do. And, and it's important to do that not only so that you can talk to people, but so that you're not sitting around waiting on your phone mm-hmm. to ring because that shit will drive you crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if if you're not a theater kid or a theater nerd, but you still want to act. Just what are you doing? Just live your life. You got to And but go hard. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a balance between between the two. Um, go hard because this is not easy, and it's a lot of people who say that they're actors who not really doing nothing. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I mean, don't 
don't yeah. <laughs> even if you auditioning right even if you auditioning because I have a friend like you know she has some some gigs now but for a long while she was just getting a lot of no's I wouldn't take that I wouldn't take like yeah. her not being a an actress from her but she was getting no's right. for about five right. years yeah no <laughs> yes no's mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're not an actress I mean there are some people who are who say that they're an actress but they're not going for even, it they're right. not auditioning they're not in class they're not doing nothing just talking about they an actor and it's like but no you're not not really <laughs> you know right. you gotta that's be the only it. acting you're doing is telling right. yourself you acting act act like you right would act <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you so much for joining us man we really yeah. really super appreciate it we can't wait to watch you on this yes five. and i know i hope you'll be tearing shit up again <laughs> yeah. i know you're gonna be tearing shit up this season yeah it's wild y'all it's I'm excited for y'all to see. So, it. Um, okay, tell everybody where to find you when the show airs. Everything. Yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Love Angela Lewis, L U V Angela Lewis, L E W I S, and yeah, that's that's where I am most of the time. Okay. And yeah. Snowfall Wednesday, the 23rd, is back, yes. y'all. So y'all it's tune back. in. It's Get back, ready. Period. I can't binge wait. if you need to binge. I'm going to be I gotta there binge. with my joint and my burger. <laughs> <laughs> I got to binge watch it before it comes out next week so I can know what the hell is going on. Yes. I don't watch TV often. Yeah, I like yes. to watch the last season over just to be, you know, remember everything that happened so I can mm-hmm. be ready. Yeah. Thank I you, girl. <laughs> Thank we you. We appreciate you. Come back and see us, okay? Okay, we will do. All right, so now I guess I got to binge watch TV. Yes, you do, girl. You're missing out on this show. It's so good. It's so entertaining. I don't know. I watched the last episode. Well, <laughs> watch all the rest of them, please. <laughs> please go back and start from the beginning. It's hard, man. Once the shit is out there, it's like I got to watch three years worth of TV. It's not three years. It'll take you a weekend to catch up. It's three years. Girl, watch that shit. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, if you didn't watch, this was pre-recorded, but uh, if you haven't watched it, it came out last night. So y'all tune in to Snowfall. It's a really good show, and Aunt Louie is dope on the show and dope as the character. So y'all tune in to her, please. She dope on the show and dope as the character? I mean, she dope in person. (laughs) She's dope as herself and dope as Aunt Louie. (laughs) That's what I meant. Stupid. All right, y'all, listen, so if you enjoyed this episode, please tune in every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever the fuck you get your podcast at. This is AJ Holiday 2.0. Follow me on Instagrams, and we appreciate you guys for listening weekly. And it's official Tam Bam on Instagram, y'all. Y'all follow me. I'll follow y'all back, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So remember, ladies, speak now. And never hold your peace. Deuces. Bye. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.